Hello and welcome to ZF1 Amateur Podcast, hosted by me, Humura Ruth. I hope you're doing well. I hope life is going as well as you'd like it to. But if for one reason or another it is not, I always say take it to the Lord Jehovah in prayer and hopefully some Formula One cheers, cheers you up. Welcome to the podcast channel once again. This is a Formula One race review podcast channel where I talk about everything that happened at a Formula One Grand Prix weekend. Now, I've been doing this since late 2020. So if you ever missed a race and you'd like to catch up from the last races we had in the year 2020 through to 2021, 2022 and this year 2023, just subscribe to the podcast channel and search through, you know, the episode list. You must definitely find the race that you are looking for. If you joined us, you know, from day one or you joined us along the way, I would just like to say thank you very much. Your support means the world to me. And if you're new here, thank you so much for joining in. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Now, without further ado, welcome to this episode, which is about the Formula One STC Saudi Arabian Grand Prix 2023. Now, that's the official name of the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, but because it's a mouthful, I'll constantly refer to it as the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. Now, this time around, we went in racing in Saudi Arabia from the 17th to the 19th of March, as opposed to last year when we went racing, I believe, on the 25th of March. I still remember that. Now, it's the second time... It's the second time we've gone racing this year, right? Because the first race we had was in Bahrain, which I also covered on this podcast channel. But when it comes to Saudi Arabia, it's the third time that we've gone racing here. So we first went racing here in 2021. And I remember it was Lewis Hamilton that won the race. He even set the lap record there. It was a 1 minute 30 seconds, 0.734. It was set by Lewis Hamilton. I remember that. And uh, he won the race. Max Verstappen came second. Valtteri Bottas finished third. Esteban Ocon finished fourth, which was impressive for him. And a former McLaren driver, Daniel Ricciardo, finished in fifth place. Now, last year in 2022, it was Max Verstappen that won the race. Charles Leclerc came home second. His teammate, Carlos Sainz Jr., finished third. Sergio Perez finished fourth. And George Russell finished fifth. That was impressive if you ask me. Now, coming into the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix this year, Max Verstappen is leading the Drivers' Championship. And behind him is his teammate, Sergio Perez, with... Wait for this, Fernando Alonso in third place. Now, I know the season has just begun, so it's too soon to, you know, keep thinking that, you know, well, it's not too soon, but you can start believing that, you know, Fernando Alonso is going to bring it, finish, sorry, high up in the driver championships. He could even surprise us and take the title home this year. I mean, that would be amazing. You know, at 41 years of age, taking home a third world title, that would be impressive. Anyway, over to the teams. When it comes to the constructors, it is Red Bull Racing that is leading the standings with Aston Martin behind them in second place and Mercedes AMG in third place. Now, third place is not such a bad place to be, but believe me, for Mercedes, it is a downgrade for sure. For sure. Anyway, this weekend, we are in Jeddah, which is found in Saudi Arabia. The name of the circuit is the Jeddah Konshi circuit. If I mispronounced it, please 
forgive me bear with me but anyway it's a pretty dangerous track i i mean i stayed it the first time we went racing there i remember in the podcast episode in 2021 i was like this track is dangerous it's one of those tracks i think that is fun to race on and a simulator but like in real life it comes off pretty dangerous now don't get me wrong i love the adrenaline i love you know cars just going so fast and i like to see a spin here and there but i don't want it to go beyond being a spin you know you know what i'm saying like it felt really dangerous in fact i was watching the f1 show and nico i mean nico rosberg himself the 2016 world champion with uh, mercedes-benz he's not mercedes amg sorry he's now no longer in the sport but he talked about how dangerous Jeddah is i mean it's a very fast track it's one of the tracks that we have in the calendar that is pretty fast i mean you also have monza there but the difference with Jeddah and Monza is that Jeddah has these blind corners. In Monza, you have long straights. You have lots of speed. And even the corners come and they are not blind. But with Jeddah, the corners were so blind. It felt like something out of a video game that was recreated in real life. I think even the 2021 race, we had like, I don't know, three safety cars. It was that bad. See, if you have drivers going so fast and they can't tell what's behind the next corner... It becomes really dangerous because what if another driver is packed right after that corner and this one is coming at a high speed? They just end up crashing into each other and they can't see each other. It just it was just so dangerous. Like I love speed, but I thought Jeddah was dangerous at the time. The first blind corners, mm -mm -mm. but I enjoyed racing there. Like I enjoy night races and it's a beautiful track. I mean, the Saudis really put in money into this thing, so I really, really enjoyed that track aside from that however good news this year the there are two turns that were worked upon that is turn 22 and turn 23 i believe i stand to be corrected on that one and then several corners had the walls pulled back to make it safer for racing so that it's not such a very blind corner for drivers you know to go racing at and uh, I believe the cabbing was also improved upon on the track. The third DRS detection point was moved ahead. So you can see that the um, event organizers really went ahead to make it a little more safer for racing. Because ultimately life is better than, you know, all those crashes everywhere. Like when it, when you're crashing too much, it becomes scary. It really, really becomes scary. But anyway, it's um, the circuit has a length of 6.174 kilometers. That's about 3.836 miles because I know some people love to count in miles. When it comes to laps, we do 50 laps here. It's not that long of a race. I mean, we've been to, is it Monza where we do 70? Um, and anyway, with those 50 laps, drivers are able to cover a race distance of about 308.450 kilometers. That's about 191.661 miles, if you prefer miles. It's the second race of the season, like I said. It's an evening race. Oh, I love evening races because I just love to see a beautifully lit circuit and, you know, cars going down. I mean, the photographs after the race are always stunning, absolutely stunning. Anyway, aside from that, Pirelli, still the official tyre supplier of Formula 1, for years now, they brought on the C2, which is the hard tire, the C3, the medium tire, and the C4, which is the soft tire compound. All right, I think I've talked enough about uh, the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. Let's take a short break, and when we return, we'll dive into the qualifying itself. 
Oh, just a quick reminder. Now, I know that people who listen to this podcast and they're Formula One veterans, sometimes they get tired with me. But please bear with me. There's some people that are new to the sport and really, really want to understand it. So I like to take the liberty to explain a few things to them. So here's a quick one. Formula One uh, Grand Prix weekends always happen over the course of three days. Usually starts on a Friday, Saturday, and then the race on Sunday. So Friday, you have two practice sessions just you know for engineers to gather the data for drivers to understand the tracks especially like rookie drivers some drivers have never been on certain tracks like this track this circuit nick devries had never raced on it so practice sessions help them understand you know what to expect on the track come the race day so you have two on friday then you have a third one on saturday then you have a qualifying session on saturday still in the afternoon and then you have the race on sunday all right, now let's go for the qualifying session of the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. Okay, sorry for interrupting the show, but you probably love motorsport because you're listening to my podcast and I'm grateful for that. So if you love Formula E motorsport, the motorsport series, why not listen to my newest Formula E podcast called Z Formula E Podcast? It's all about motorsport. I bring you the latest races in motorsport, the drivers, what happens in the tracks and off the tracks, and why Formula E is a newer sport you should be interested in. So just look for Z Formula E podcast on your favorite podcasting platform or Google Z Formula E podcast and you'll be sure to listen in. And then, aside from that, yes, I'm a woman of many talents and many passions. I also have a podcast dedicated to the beauty of Uganda. As you know, I am from Uganda. I'm from Kampala, Uganda. And I love to share the beauty of Uganda with the rest of the world, which is why I started my other podcast called Z Humura Show. So if you'd be interested in that, just look for Z Humura Show on your favorite podcasting platform or Google Z Humura Show. All right, let's go back to Formula One welcome back from that short break now let's go through the qualifying of the saudi arabian grand prix 2023 i'll just give you highlights of what happened so first things first unfortunately charles leclerc received a 10 place grid penalty for exceeding his quarter of control electronics elements so essentially in a Formula 1 season, at least for this year, you're permitted to have two. But he went in for a third CE, so he was penalized 10 places on the grid. That's a lot of places to be penalized for. Also in qualifying, Logan Sargent, who is a rookie in F1, failed to set a time within the 107% requirement. But good news, he was permitted to race at the steward's discretion. So usually, according to the rules, he wouldn't be racing. Then we also got to see Mercedes struggling with their car. Um, still with Logan Sargent, he brushed the wall in FP3, the third practice session, which was quite unfortunate for him. However, good news for Red Bull. They dominated that practice session. Sergio Perez was also dominating. And interestingly, Fernando Alonso in the Aston Martin was also doing really, really well. Nick DeVries was the only rookie that hasn't raced on this circuit. Unfortunately, couldn't fully participate in free practice three. Did I just say three practice three? It's free practice three, FP3, my God, because he had a power unit issue. Now, you might be wondering, like, 
the other rookies have also not raced here in F1, but they raced here in F2. So when it comes to this track, they have an idea. That is Oscar Piastri and Logan Sargent. All right, now let's get into the qualifying itself. If you're new to the sport, here's a quick rundown of how it happens. This season, as has been for a good number of years, we have 10 teams and each team has two drivers. So that means you have 22, 20 drivers, sorry, in total. So qualifying helps determine which driver starts at the front, come the race to on Sunday, which driver starts in the middle, which driver starts at the back. Because Formula One tracks are not built wide enough to accommodate all 20 cars starting on the same line. So to determine who starts where, you have a qualifying session. Now the qualifying session lasts for an hour and it is split into three quarters with intervals between. So you have quarter one that lasts for 18 minutes, then you have an interval, then you have quarter two that lasts for 15 minutes, then you have an interval, then you have quarter three that lasts for 12 minutes, then you have an interval. But if you want to sound like a pro, you keep saying Q1, Q2 and Q3. Now, what happens in each quarter is that I'll give an example. For quarter one, you have 20 drivers go out onto the racetrack to try and set the fastest lap times that they could possibly set. At the end of the session, the five slowest drivers are eliminated from further qualify qualification processes. So then you have Q2. In Q2, you have 15 drivers because five were eliminated at the end of Q1. So these 15 drivers in Q2 got onto the track for 12 minutes to set the fastest lap time that they could possibly set. They are not racing. They are just setting fastest lap times. And then at the end of Q2, the five, five slowest drivers are eliminated from further qualification processes. Then in Q3, you are now left with 10 drivers. These 10 drivers do the same thing. They go out onto the track and try to set the fastest lap times that they could possibly set. At the end of the session, the fastest driver overall takes pole position, which means he starts in first place on the race, uh, on the track, sorry, on the grid come race day. And then the second fastest takes second place, the third fastest takes third place, like that, like that. That is how the drivers line up on the race day. Now, here's just a few summary, just a few highlights of what happened in each quarter. Now, in Q1, the Williams drivers, the AlphaTauri drivers, and the Haas drivers were the first drivers out onto the track. In fact, Alex Albon in the Williams was the first driver to set a lap time. Then we got to see Nick DeVries in the AlphaTauri losing his rear at turn one after spinning around. How unfortunate. As if that wasn't enough, we also got to see Logan Sargent, who had struggled in FP3, remember? He had his lap times deleted for exceeding track limits. Track limits is when all four tires of your car are not on the racetrack and you gain an advantage by that happening. So he had his lap times deleted for that. And later on, he lost control of the car before spinning at turn 23. We also got to see Lando Norris clipping the wall with his front left tire, which probably damaged his suspension. We also got to see Fernando Alonso spin around on his first, first set of tyres and three other drivers lost their lap times. That was Pierre Gasly, Esteban Ocon and Charles Leclerc. Now at the end of Q1, it was Yuki Tsunoda, Alex Albon, Nick DeVries, Lando Norris and Logan Sargent that were eliminated from qualifying in Q2. Now in Q2, the Alfa Romeo drivers and Nico Hagenberg were the first ones out onto the track. 
Now, with seven minutes left in the session, Max Verstappen had an engine issue, or it was a transmission issue, one of the two, which was quite unfortunate for him. And then we also got to see Ferrari driver Carlos Sainz Jr. running wide first, and then later on making a mistake at turn two. And I think that's where all the struggles came in qualifying. Anyway, at the end of qualifying, quarter two, sorry, we had Nico Hulkenberg, Joe Guanyu, Kevin Magnussen, Valtteri Bottas, and Max Verstappen, which is quite rare, being eliminated from qualifying in Q3. Now, in Q3, we got to see Pierre Gasly and Fernando Alonso as the first drivers out onto the track. We also saw Carlos Sainz Jr., Esteban Ocon, and uh, Pierre Gasly come out onto the track on used tyres. Well, Mercedes drivers and Charles Leclerc came out on fresh tyres. At one point, we also saw Charles Leclerc beating Fernando Alonso's lap times for provisional pole. Who, but, you know, when we saw that, we were like, ah, this feels good. But then you remember, oh my God, he has that 10 place grid penalty. So it's not going to be as if, you know, it doesn't feel as great as it should have felt for the Ferrari fans. Anyway, now here are your qualifying results for the 2023 Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. Sergio Perez qualified on pole. Charles Leclerc qualified second. Fernando Alonso qualified third. George Russell qualified fourth. Carlos Sainz Jr. qualified 5th, Lance Stroll qualified 6th, Esteban Ocon qualified 7th, Lewis Hamilton qualified 8th, Oscar Piastri qualified in 9th place, and Pierre Gasly qualified in 10th place. In 11th place was Nico Hakenberg, in 12th place was Joe Guanyu, in 13th place was Kevin Magnussen, in 14th place was Valtteri Bottas, in 15th place was Max Verstappen, Yuki Tsunoda qualified 16th, Alex Albon qualified 17th, Nick DeVries qualified 18th, Lando Norris qualified 20th, and we had Logan Sargent, who, like I mentioned before, was given permission to race even though he did not meet the 100% requirement. Hello and welcome back from that short break. Now let's dive into the race itself. So in Saudi, at the Jeddah circuit, we do 50 laps, yeah? And this is the second race of the season. The track has three sectors and 27 turns. I think it's a track with the most turns on the calendar. That's how entertaining it can be. And drivers reach top speeds of about 207 miles per hour. So it's pretty fast. Now the tire supplier, Purelli, Purelli, I hope I pronounced it right now, um... They said that it's probably going to be a one-stop race, but they were proved wrong, as we will see later. Also important to remember is that Max had suffered a drive shut failure uh, in qualifying. We saw him qualify in 15th place. That is unusual for him. Charles Leclerc had qualified in third place, but because of his 10th place grid penalty that we talked about in qualifying, he dropped down to 12th place, so that meant that Fernando Alonso had qualified third, moved into second place on the grid at the start of the race. Now, speaking of Alonso, the last time he was on pole, I believe, was in Germany 2012. Which reminds me, we miss races in Germany. And also, coming into this race, he had accumulated 99 podiums. So if he finished on the podium, he would be the sixth driver to gain 100 podiums in Formula 1. Because I think Lewis has the most, yes? I, I sound to be corrected on this one, but Lewis has 103 podiums or more. So 
that's a lot of podiums and it's a prestigious club to join as a driver everybody i think would dream of that if you were a driver you know first get your world title and then start rocking up the stacks the stats sorry anyway let's get into the race on lap one into turn one fernando alonso took lead of the race from sergio perez now, this was purely a reactive moment, you know, because the way you react to the start of the race will really affect, you know, how your race goes on because you're probably going to lose places or make them up. So, at the start of the race, Alonso beautifully took lead of the race from Sergio Perez. Unfortunately, he was noted by the stewards for incorrect starting position. Now, this thing also happened to his former teammate Esteban Ocon in Bahrain, and I explained it. So at the start of the race, you're supposed to pack your car within the grid box allocated to you. I'll call it a box. It's not necessarily a box, but there's lines that you're supposed to really pack your car in. And it seems that Fernando Alonso was too much on the left of the, you know, the line that he was supposed to be on. And so he was penalized for that. The reason being is that, you know, if you start anywhere else other than you allocated sport, you're probably gaining an advantage as much as it could have seemed like, you know, five inches or 10 inches away from where he should have started. So he was penalized for that. It's the same thing that happened to Esteban Ocon in Bahrain. And he was given a five second penalty when he went to serve his penalty. He served his penalty incorrectly. So he was given another penalty that he had to go and serve. And when he went to serve that penalty, I think he did something wrong in the pit lane. It was just a horrible race for him. But anyway, Alonso was noted by the stewards for that. Now, still talking about Alonso, Sergio Perez, of course, had not given up his first place. So he started chasing down Alonso. Now, he at one point in that lap, he was within DRS range of Alonso. But the thing is, DRS doesn't open until after two laps. So he still could not enable that. Still on lap one, we saw Oscar Piastri losing bodywork at the start of the race due to his contact with Pierre Gasly. Now, by lap two, Fernando Alonso was given a five-second penalty that he had to serve at the first pit stop. And I think around that time is when I noticed the tires the drivers were on. I should have noticed this earlier. But I remember the first six drivers were on medium tires. That was Alonso, Perez, Russell, Stroll, Sainz and Esteban Ocon. Then the seventh driver, Lewis Hamilton, was running on hard tires. Pierre Gasly in eighth place was running on medium tires. Carlos Sainz Jr. in ninth place was running on soft tires. And Joe Guan Yu in tenth place was running on medium tires. Now, two laps later, in on lap four, into turn one, Sergio Perez took lead of the race from Fernando Alonso. That was interesting to watch. And by lap five, Sergio Perez's teammate, Max Verstappen, had made up four places and he was running in 12th place. Remember, Max started in 15th place, so that would have been three places. My maths was wrong there. But anyway, the next lap on lap six, we see that Fernando Alonso is now within DRS range of Sergio Perez, who was leading the race. And the same thing for Carlos Sainz Jr. in the Ferrari. He was running in fifth place and he was within DRS of Lance Stroll, who was running in fourth place. Meanwhile, it wasn't a good race for the McLaren drivers. They were at the bottom of the grid in 19th and 20th place. Now, the next lap, we saw Charles Leclerc overtake Pierre Gasly for eighth place. And two laps later, on lap 9, Charles Leclerc made another overtake on Lewis Hamilton for 7th place. But interestingly, on lap 10, 
this guy was the one to watch in this race. He even took home drive of the race. I've just spoiled it for you. But interestingly, on lap 10, Max Verstappen had now moved up into ninth place. That was impressive. And he was now chasing down Lewis Hamilton, who was running in eighth place. In fact, two laps later, on lap 12, Max overtook Lewis Hamilton for eighth place. Meanwhile, we saw other drivers starting to pit. There was Valtteri Bottas, Joe Guanyu, and Nico Hulkenberg were some of the first drivers that we really saw pitting. Now, on lap 13, the pit window for the drivers on soft tyres was opened. Like, we were just informed that, you know, if you're on soft tyres, now would be the ideal time to pit. And since Charles Leclerc was running on soft tyres, he was running in sixth place, I thought he was going to be the first driver in the Ferrari team to pit. But no, it was Carlos Sainz Jr. who was running in fifth place on the medium tyres that was called to pit first. Now, four laps later on lap 17, Charles Leclerc pits. And unfortunately for him, we get yellow flags in sector two. So if he had waited a little longer, he could have pitted under the safety car, but then he wouldn't have known anyway. Or if he had pitted earlier, it could have been advantageous for him when this guy's pit under the safety car. He could have probably made up a few places. Anyway, so the yellow flag comes out because Lance Stroll is told to park his car. He's told to stop the car and he stops it, you know, um near uh, an escape way now somebody would have been like why was there a need to call the safety car out into the track uh that was because the gps of the car still identified it as being on the track so to keep the marshal safe we had the safety car issue it's not an issue but yes we had that so by lap 18 we were still under the safety car and meanwhile Max was now up into fourth place behind George Russell, Fernando Alonso, and Sergio Perez. And naturally, under the safety car, we saw drivers pitting. So Russell was called to the pits. Perez was called to the pits. Alonso was called to the pits. But remember, he had a five-second penalty to serve. Lewis Hamilton was also called to the pits. And same as Max Verstappen. Now, they came out of the pits in lap 19. And this is how they came out. Perez was still leading the race. Lucky for him, he didn't lose track position. Alonso was still in second place. Russell was in third. Max was in fourth. Sainz was in fifth. Lewis on now the hard tires was in sixth. And Charles Leclerc was in seventh place. Anyway, by lap 20, the safety car retired. So we went racing again. And three laps later, that's when we got to see Max Verstappen overtake George Russell for third place. I'm telling you, by this point, I think Max had made up 12 places. He was just really flying. He was flying. I mean, I've seen this kind of performance before from Lewis Hamilton at the British Grand Prix. I remember it was a British Grand Prix where we had a sprint race and everything just kept going bad for him. But in the end, he won the race. I was just impressed. And I think that's what Max Verstappen also did in this race. Now we go to lap 26. And Fernando, sorry, Alex Albon in 13th place came on radio to say he has a brake failure. Now, when he said that, it was a little bit confusing because his car was still working normally. It seemed normal, normal, I should say. In fact, his teammate Logan, okay, his teammate Logan Sargent was running in 14th place, eventually overtook him, which obviously really proved the point that he had an issue with the car. But if you have a brake issue, you're probably going to end up in the barriers because you can't brake and there's no track with more turns than Jeddah. So it didn't really make sense. 
And I remember because I was watching it from Sky Sports F1, Martin Brando said that it was probably a break issue, not an entire break failure. So anyway, unfortunately for him, he drops to 19th place. And by this point in the race, it was only Lance Stroll who had suffered a DNF. Now we get to lap 28 and uh, Lewis in 5th place has DRS on his teammate George Russell who's running in 4th place. Now George Russell was asked to get out of, the, out of the way of Lewis but at first he refused arguing that Fernando Alonso hadn't served his penalty. But unfortunately for him Alonso had served his penalty. Now the next lap on lap 29 Alex Albon in 19th place retired and um it was quite unfortunate for, for him. I mean, he has also had an up and down career in Formula One, if you ask me. Like, it's also been up and down. But regardless, he always seems peaceful and calm about it, which is amazing. Which is amazing. Anyway, I still found um, Logan Sargent quite impressive in this race. I would have called him rookie of the race if there was an award. But anyway, remember, he didn't set a time in qualifying. I talked about that. But by lap 29, he was up into 13th place. Dude, this guy was really doing well. Now we get to lap 30 and Max Verstappen is now in second place behind Sergio Perez. And the gap between the two of them is just over five seconds. Now when you think about it, we do 50 laps in Jeddah. So if lap 30, Max was in second place and the gap was just five seconds, you would think if the race goes perfectly, he's going to catch up to Perez, right? Anyway, let's see. We get to lap 31 and Max Verstappen sets the fastest lap of the race. And at this point, the gap is really narrowing down. That shows you how much he wanted to lead the race. Like he always wants to win the race, which is a good quality of a good driver because nobody wants to be racing for somebody with, with somebody who wants to, you know, finish any lower than first place. Anyway, unfortunately for the McLaren's team, I noticed in lap 36, they were now stuck in 16th and 17th place, respectively. That was London Norris in 16th, Oscar Piastri in 17th. Which was quite unfortunate for the team. It wasn't a good weekend at all. It was not a good weekend at all. And But I have to say, between both drivers, I'm telling you, Oscar Piastri was doing it well. He was really, really, really... I mean, he was brilliant. Remember when we first saw Lando Norris in F1, we were like, wow. It's the same thing we got to see with Oscar Piastri. I was like, wow, this guy has got moves. Anyway, we get to lap 38. And unfortunately for Max Verstappen in second place, he starts complaining about an irritating loud noise. So obviously the team is, alar is notified, not alarmed, notified and they start trying to monitor it. They get back to him, but the noise is still going on. It actually takes a good number of laps, that noise, that irritating noise for him. And I think it did affect his racing because remember on lap 30, 31, he had said the fastest lap of the race. But by lap 38, he lost that to Sergio Perez. Now, two laps later, on lap 40... Sergio Perez in first place complains slash talks about a brake pedal issue. But when the team look into it, they report back that it's all right. Because it's the moment I was like, oh my God, are the Red Bulls failing? This is like a thing that happens to Ferrari. <laughs> they'll have one of their drivers. It's not funny, but they'll have one of their drivers in third place, another one in fifth place. And then suddenly they have engine failures and you're like, what? But anyway, that was that, you know, gave that impression on that particular lap. 
Anyway, we go to lab 45 and Valtteri Bottas was running in 18th place, literally last because we had two DNFs. Said um, the team should check because he believed something was wrong with his car. Lab 48, we see Lando Norris in 16th place, told not to make it too hard for Oscar Piastri, who was right behind him in 17th place. In other words, they were telling Lando Norris, you know what, if when Oscar Piastri comes up to overtake you, don't make it hard for him. Let him go through. And I understood, honestly, Oscar put on a pretty good show. Like he was driving really well. And I'm sure it surprised Lando Norris. And, you know, Lando Norris has also been there before in Oscar's shoes. Remember when Daniel Ricciardo joined McLaren? Fine, Daniel Ricciardo was not uh, a founding member in the McLaren era that Londoners joined. But, you know, when Daniel was when Daniel joined and we're all like, oh, my God, this former Red Bull driver, Renault driver, you know, he bought a win, a podium to Renault. So when he comes in that McLaren, we're like, oh, my God, he's a Mercedes engine. He's going to show Londoners, the rookie, what's up. Unfortunately, London Norris showed Daniel Ricciardo what was up. And and I think that's the same thing that happened this time. Like when Oscar Piastri came into McLaren. Because you know he's a good driver from F2. But F2 is not F1. So when he comes in the team you're like. Oh my god Lando is going to lead. Lando is going to show how it's done. Well this race Piastri showed him how it's done. Like he really did well. Because I will spoil this for you. He ended up finishing in 15th place. Well, Londoner is finished in 17th place. Now, those are not the dream positions for McLaren, but it goes to show you, you know, what kind of driver he is, what kind of driver he is. Anyway, so the overtake for 16th place from Biastri happened on lap 49. Yeah, and also about that time we were told that there was this speculation that Fernando Alonso might get a penalty for not serving his penalty correctly. Remember, like, what happened to Esteban Ocon in Bahrain? He was given a five-second penalty for not, you know, starting in the right position at the start of the race. And then when he went to serve his penalty, he served it incorrectly. It was the same thing with Fernando Alonso. I think people speculated that... I don't know when I say people. I don't know what I mean by that. But there was this speculation that when he went to serve his five-second penalty, because if you have that penalty, you're supposed to be packed in the pit stop area for five seconds without any me mechanic touching your car but it probably could have been assumed that a mechanic touched the car before the penalty was served so there was this thing people thought that alonso may get a five a five second or ten second penalty for not serving his penalty correctly so in fact uh, mercedes engineers told george russell about it so they kept telling george russell close down the gap between yourself to alonso because if Alonso gets that penalty, it means you're going to take that podium place for him. And I remember uh, George Russell coming and Reggie's like, man, I'm driving like a madman here. I'm really trying to close down the gap. Is it working? And his engineer was just encouraging him. Anyway, I think that's lap 49. So that's a pretty good summary of the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, I'm trying not to make the podcast too long. I'm just really giving highlights of what happened in the race because I don't want to take you through 50 laps. That would be over an hour long. But anyway, that's a summary of the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. And let me tell you, I enjoyed it. It wasn't very dramatic like the, the very first race we had here in 2021. But me, I enjoyed it. I absolutely enjoyed it. I love evening races. I love, you know, beautiful circuits. I think Jordan is also a great circuit. 
Anyway, Sergio Perez won the race. It's his fifth race win. The last time he won was in Monaco 2022, and he won from pole position. Man, Red Bull has really brought out the best in Sergio Perez. I remember at one point I was like, will he survive the pressure? But he has proved that he can, and he in fact did. So for the first time for Red Bull, they had a 1-2 finish with Perez leading because they do have those 1-2 finishes at the end of a race, but it's usually Max in first place, Perez in second. So for the first time, we had Perez leading. I stand to be corrected on that statistic, though. And um, Perez could have also been leading the Drivers' Championship at the end of the race if he had maintained the fastest lap, but uh, his teammate took that point away from him so interesting we also got to see fernando alonso finally getting his 100th podium in formula one he joins five other drivers with 100 podiums in f1 can you guess which drivers have 100 podiums in F f1 i'm pretty sure you know lewis does so <laughs> i'll just give you that one so guess the other four anyway also interesting to note for me was i can't stop saying this you know enough is that the word but i was impressed with oscar piastri he finished in 15th place ahead of his teammate lando norris in 17th place anyway here are your race results for the saudi arabian grand prix sergio perez won the race amazingly done max Verstappen came home in second place fernando alonso finished in third place George Russell finished in 4th place. His teammate Lewis Hamilton finished the race in 5th place. The Ferraris came in 6th and 7th. There was Carlos Sainz Jr. in 6th place and Charles Leclerc in 7th place. Esteban Ocon finished 8th. Pierre Gasly finished 9th. And impressively from Haas, Kevin Magnussen finished in 10th place. Yuki Tsunoda finished 11th. Another Haas driver, Nico Hagenberg, finished 12th. Joe Guanyu finished 13th, Nick DeVries finished 14th, Oscar Piastri finished 15th, Logan Sargent finished 16th, Lando Norris finished 17th, and Valtteri Bottas finished 18th. We had two DNFs. That was Alex Albon and Lance Stroll. Now, thank you so much for joining me for this podcast episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Let me know what your favorite moments in the race were. were. Sometimes I forget English, but yes, let me know what really stood out for you. For me, my highlight, I can't stop saying it. Oscar Piastri finishing 15th. Fernando Alonso getting his 100th podium. Sergio Perez winning the race. I mean, that was quite interesting to watch. I hope you enjoyed this one. I will see you next time we go racing. I think we are going racing in Australia. I have a feeling. I will check the calendar. But I'll see you then. Thank you so much for listening in. If you'd like to connect, please do not hesitate. Find me on social media. My Instagram handle is at humura underscore Ruth. That is spelled as H-U-M-U-R-A underscore Ruth. On Twitter, my handle is at humura Ruth F1. And I love to write about motorsports. So if you found me on LinkedIn, you would enjoy motorsports articles if you like reading. So my handle is Mbabazi Humura Ruth. Mbabazi spelled as M-B-A-B-A-Z-I. All right. I will see you next time. Have a lovely, lovely month ahead.